Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Amen. Am I the only one out of breath already? <laughs> that is not a good place for a pastor to be in just before he's about to get up and preach, but uh, it was worth it. Awesome. So we start this morning with a word association game. And I don't want you to overthink the question. There's really no right or wrong answers. There's just some answers that are less relevant than others. I'll let you think about that for a while. So here's the question. What comes to mind when you hear the word discipline? What comes to mind when you hear the word discipline? I want you to hold that thought for just a moment. I went online and I looked to see if anybody else asked the same question. And if they did, how did other people answer that? What comes to mind? And I found that not only did they ask the same question, but there was a lot of very funny answers that were given here. So I want you to think if your answer is lining up with any of these. So here's what comes to mind when people think of the word discipline. Getting whooped. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Shivers in having to say, yes, ma'am. Someone else said, Nothing disciplines better than mom's magic brush. And just so that you understood, they actually put a picture of the brush in some random chair in with their statement. I think they wanted you to see the means of discipline in the place where discipline occurred. That's at least what I'm thinking about. Somebody else said attitude adjustments. Somebody else said spanking or self-control. Somebody said my father my drill sergeant, military school. One guy kind of wrote a small dissertation, so I just kind of pulled a little bit of that. This guy said, on one hand, I recall the image of my father with a belt in his hand. On the other, I recall training and dedication for perfecting one's body and one's craft. Oh, yeah, and focus. Am I the only one that finds it a bit ironic that he almost missed the word focus? And that. People are funny. So for the most part, we tend to view discipline from a negative or at least a slightly painful perspective. That is, we know that discipline is required in order for us to achieve goals. We know that it is important for honing our craft. We understand that it is important in developing self-control. I think most people would also say that there is great value in discipline. And while we like the outcome of discipline, we're not always fond of discipline itself. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. We like to achieve our fitness goals. We might not like getting up at 5 a.m. to work out. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we like feeling competent in whatever career we're in. We might just not like the additional education and the ongoing years of reading and research to help us stay competent in whatever career that we're in. That is, we like the outcome of discipline. We're not always fond of discipline itself. Well, today we're focused on understanding discipline within the context of our Equipped series. And this is a series about equipping believers for every stage of life. As we've shared previously, the Bible teaches that discipleship is primarily to happen at home and the parents are the primary disciplers of their kids. And today we're exploring how discipline 
intersects with discipleship and specifically how it intersects with discipleship that is happening within the home. Now, without discipline, you're going to miss many, many discipling teachable moments. That's your kind of I guess the short verse, and that, that is the, the basic idea of what we're getting into. Discipline is absolutely essential if we're going to be good at discipling our kids. Did you all know that discipline will benefit your kids in school? It'll benefit your kids when they play sports. It'll benefit your kids in making wise choices and avoiding pitfalls it will benefit your kids when it comes to choosing good friends. It, it benefits them in understanding and embracing the gospel message. It, it benefits them in so many different ways. Did you all know that discipline is largely a time-sensitive topic? That is, the longer somebody goes getting their own way, the harder it becomes for that individual to submit to another standard. Discipline is an important topic. It's one that needs to be addressed within the home. Those who learn discipline early, they will benefit from discipline for a lifetime. Those who are disciplined well, they will find greater contentment, greater joy, and greater opportunities in life. Those who do not learn discipline at all, they will face a lifetime of pain and problems that comes with that. So, while much of what I'm sharing today is going to be about discipline in general that can be applied to anyone, believer or unbeliever, I will say that much of what I'm sharing today is specific to believers and those primarily with kids still in their home. Now, I'm going to say, everything you're going to hear can also be applied if you're a grandparent trying to help your grandkids. It can be applied if your kids are out of the house and you're trying to coach and to lead them well as they are now stepping into marriages and families and careers of their own. All of the information is going to be relevant across the board. Now, as we get everything set up, I feel the need to give several statements slash disclaimers. <laughs> I've done this enough to know I need to give these up front. This will cut back on my email list this next week. So the first is, I am not a child psychologist nor a behavior expert. I share that because some of what I'm going to give you today will make people upset. And when I share it, I've noticed that people are not necessarily upset with what I'm saying or necessarily even how I'm saying it. They get upset because what I'm sharing is the exact opposite of what they just read in the latest parenting book. And I need you all to know up front, like you just need to know, I'm going to be transparent. I do not trust 90% of what I read in a parenting book. And I will tell you why in about 15 minutes from now. So here's your next disclaimer slash statements. Teaching on family and discipline and generational discipleship, it is a passion of mine. It's something that over the years I've taught easily a hundred or more messages specific to family and marriage and discipleship, all of these things. And of all the topics that I address within that genre, the one topic I am asked to teach on more than any other is discipline within the home. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on that. Prior to COVID, through five weekend services on two campuses, there were over 350 children that were from birth through fifth grade that were part of the ministry out in Las Vegas. When you got that many kids, the topic of discipline comes up often. 
So discipline was one that was huge there, but it was also one where I was asked to address the topic at other churches in their MOPS meetings. There's parents that are asking questions. We created a website entitled ChristLifeResources.com. The number one question that people go on the site looking for is parenting advice specific to discipline within their home. It is a question that parents are asking. So I want to make sure that we are sharing it up front. Now, also, here's why I'm doing it at this particular point in the series. If you want to disciple your kids well, discipline is not optional, it is foundational. Amen. Foundational for everything that we're going to share. So here's another thought before we get into things. While certain aspects of discipline are going to be applicable to everyone, I want to share again, this is primarily geared towards Christian parents. Now, here's the reason I'm sharing that. We're talking about biblical truths that are empowered by God's Spirit that are activated by a believer's obedience. There's a lot of those pieces that are hinging upon another part. So here's kind of the overview of what we're getting into. For discipline to be effective, it requires at least three essential pieces. I'm going to give them to you quickly, then we're going to work through all of the different parts. There needs to be an understanding of discipline. That is, what is discipline? What is the goal? What, what's the purpose over here? There also needs to be a plan for discipline. What should we do? How should we do it? Those pieces. And then the third part is there needs to be consistency with discipline. What does consistency look like when you live in a world where things are constantly changing? And we're going to get into each of these different parts. Now, I share this often on this particular topic because those who maybe their kids are out of the house or maybe those who are single and they do not yet have kids or maybe even those who are married and they don't have kids at this point. Sometimes the question becomes, is this message relevant for me? And my answer is, now is the optimal time for you to learn this. So think about it like this. Would you rather learn to box when you're in the ring getting punched in the face <laughs> or before you get in the ring. Like every bit of education that we do, it is preparing people before you step into that. And this is one of those same examples. This is an opportunity that you get a chance to learn things now that can be unbelievably beneficial down the road. So we're going to have prayer. We need prayer. I need prayer. Please pray for me as I share this. We're going to pray. And we're going to get into it from there. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we need your spirit to guide us into truth. We recognize that anytime you're dealing with parenting, discipline, there's a part within a parent that we want to do what is right. And it, it's uncomfortable if we begin to notice some things that we're doing that are incorrect. God, give grace this morning. Help us walk in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I shared before, this is a series that is very different. You all will know I have not read a passage yet, but there are going to be multiple passages that we read working through. So, here's the first of those pieces that we need. That is an understanding of discipline. What is discipline? What is the goal? Here's your basic definition. Discipline is the process of removing foolishness and instilling wisdom. Discipline is the process of removing foolishness and instilling wisdom. Now, it does not matter if you are thinking about God's discipline of you, if you're thinking about your discipline of your kids, 
Or if you're thinking about how to help somebody else work through discipline in their life, that same definition is going to hold true. Discipline is a process of removing foolishness. That is foolishness in character, in thoughts, in habits, in attitude, in actions, and instilling wisdom in all of those same places. That is, there's two parts of this. You are taking out what is wrong, you are putting in what is right. Taking out what is wrong, putting in what is right. Take the same definition in the sports. What's happening? If somebody is practicing, they're correcting what is wrong, they're putting in what is right. Think about the military, and they're getting people prepared. They go through, they take out what is wrong, they put in what is right. When it comes to parenting, you're taking out what is wrong, you're putting in what is right. Here's the reason I keep saying, wrong, right, wrong, right, out, in. The reason is, a lot of times people think of discipline only in correcting what's wrong. If you stop there, you stop halfway through. This is where discipline now moves forward into a lifetime. Because even when your kids are 30, 40, 50 or more, you can still be instilling wisdom. That's the second part of where discipline is at. But you first got to take out what's wrong. So the Bible has a lot to say on the subject of discipline, and it's primarily found in the context of wisdom and foolishness. So in the book of Proverbs, Solomon teaches there are two paths that everybody is on. There's a path of foolishness, and there's a path of wisdom. And for just a moment, I am going to read to you characteristics of those on the path of foolishness. And as I read this list, I want you to think about what it would be like if that describes your child, your grandchild, your great-grandchild. I want you to think about what is waiting in their future if this describes them. And also, just to let you know, please don't try to write everything I'm saying because it will wear your hand out this morning. But for your viewing pleasure, we have all of this that has been created. These are going to be on tables outside. You got the entire, yes, it is wonderful. I love handouts. Handouts are awesome. So he had the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness all on one side. And on the back, I'm going to be going through and sharing what has been mine and Bria's plan over the years when it comes to discipline. That's on the back side. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right, so again, I want to read through this, and I want you to think about what would you do if this described your kids. They despise wisdom. They hang with the wrong crowd. They hate knowledge and understanding. They are complacent. They take sinful, crooked paths. They ignore correction. They chase after immoral women. They commit adultery. They move towards violence. They bring shame. They lack self-control. They are simple-minded and lack good judgment. They don't stop talking. But when they do, they slander others. They lack common sense. They enjoy doing wrong. They are prideful. They think their way is right. They're quick-tempered. They broadcast their foolishness. They brag about their foolishness. They return to their evil. They associate with other fools. They despise the Lord. They cannot find wisdom. They deceive themselves. They make fun of guilt. They plunge into danger. They despise discipline. They will be severely punished. They feed on mental trash. They're lazy. They despise their mother. They bring joy to those with no sense. 
they cause pain, grief, and bitterness to their parents. They get into constant quarrels. They ruin their own lives. They're led astray by alcohol. They're guilty. They spend everything they get. They involve themselves in sinful schemes. They are not fit for honor. They need to be beaten. He actually gives you four references for that. They should not be hired, and they will return to their foolishness. All of that is found in the book of Proverbs alone, the path of foolishness. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. Imagine if that described your child. Can you imagine the heartache and the pain and the problems that are waiting in their future? Most parents would do everything they possibly could to say, I don't want my child on the path of foolishness. I want to make sure my kids never step onto the path of foolishness. I want my kids on the path of wisdom. Now, here's the catch. They're already on the path of foolishness. Listen to what it says, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Foolishness is already there. Foolishness is the child's default setting. They, they, they don't come out the box ready to obey God and listen to their parents. They come out in rebellion. That's the reason you don't have to teach your kids to lie. You don't have to teach them to be selfish. You don't have to teach them to cry to get their way. You don't have to teach them those things. It's because that's the way they're born. They're born into the path of foolishness with a sin nature. So what do parents do? Solomon will tell us, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. They're born onto the path of foolishness, it's the responsibility of the parent to direct them onto the path of wisdom. That's what discipline is about. It's about moving a child from a place of foolishness onto a path of wisdom. And if you, as the parent, do not do that, they will continue down the path of foolishness with all the repercussions that come behind it. Now let me also pause here for just a moment. If you don't do it, someone else in society is going to have to step up and they're not going to be nearly as gracious about it. Law enforcement many times has to step up. Teachers in a classroom have to step up. By the way, listen, as parents, you cannot be upset for what your kids might not learn in a class if the teacher has to do crowd control the whole time. We're, we're sending them into classrooms, and the teacher is wanting to educate, wanting to teach, but sometimes you can't get their attention long enough. If the parents don't address it, somebody in the military might have to. Somebody in the penitentiary system might have to. Somebody is going to step up and challenge foolishness. It's the parents. Here, responsibility, responsibility. Now, it doesn't mean we're always going to do it right. And it also doesn't mean that everything you do, you could do everything perfect and your child still choose to walk in rebellion. But listen, that's on them. If we don't do what God has told us, that's on us. 
So Solomon says, parents, direct them onto the right path. The word foolishness, it's defined as the love of mischief, waywardness, and self-will. It's used of an arrogant, flippant, hardened fool. Now Solomon tells us that foolishness and all the facets that come with it, they're bound up in the heart of a child. Let, let that word sit in your mind. It's affixed to the heart of a child. It is connected to the heart of a child. In other words, it ain't fallen out by itself. It's not just a phase they're going through. They're not going to grow out of it. So how do you get it out of them? Well, he happens to tell us. He says, the rod of discipline will remove it far from them. Stop there, stop there, stop there. Here it is, listen. And that's where you want it, far from them. You don't want it to be something that you correct it in the moment, but the moment that they are not under your direct supervision, they find foolishness again. You don't want it to be that you suppress foolishness for a period of time, but as your kid leaves their house to go to college, they pick it up like a backpack and they wear it away from you. You want it to be that it's removed far from them. That's how this is connecting back together. Foolishness is one of those things. It has to be removed. Now, part of the idea of discipline is to remove foolishness but here's the other part. This is the other side. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and reproof gives wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Discipline has two sides. Removes foolishness, instills wisdom. Both parts come through discipline. Now listen to these passages. Write the references off to the side. Proverbs 13, 24 those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. This was my mom's life verse. Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. She lived the word. Amen? <laughs> it finishes by saying physical discipline may save them from death. Discipline, listen, is not just a deterrent for doing wrong. Discipline is not a way for parents to blow off some steam. Discipline is not about breaking your child's spirit. You bend the will, you don't break the spirit's. Discipline is the process of removing foolishness and instilling wisdom. Here's your next one, a plan for discipline. What should we do? Parents need a biblical predetermined plan to discipline. Now, I cannot overemphasize the words biblical and predetermined. Um, so best time to create your plan is before you have kids. If you failed at test number one, the second best time to create your plan is right now. The longer you wait, the harder it is to remove foolishness and instill wisdom. Every plan is going to be just a little bit different, but there's going to be some fundamental pieces that are in place as a Christian parent. I'm going to share with you all the plan that Bree and I began to work on and to develop while we were dating. Now, in case you're wondering, we did not start a family until six and a half years after dating. Bria wanted me to be sure to let you all know that. Okay? But the point here 
is it was while we were dating, and by the way, that is a great time if it's a single person and you're talking about a possible marriage partner, when you're dating is the time you talk through how do we discipline our kids down the road. That's the time. And, and get specific. Don't just say, do you believe in discipline? Yes. Praise the Lord. Let's go forward. No, man. Ask questions. Tell me about discipline. How, how did discipline happen in your home? When would you discipline? Tell me how you view scripture with discipline. Like, get into that in the early stages of a relationship. But this is what we worked on over that time. Now, I also want to let you all know that what I'm going to share with you, it has scripture as the foundation. But our plan was primarily one that was shaped by my mom, and her plan was primarily shaped by her dad. And I, there's a reason I'm telling you this. Her dad was one of 17 kids. If you don't have discipline, you go insane in that type of a house. My mom was one of 10 kids. Her parents learned by watching their parents. She learned by watching her parents. I was one of four kids. I learned a lot by watching my parents. Now, here's the reason I'm telling you any of that. When I describe this plan, it is not something that I got out of a book somewhere. It's not something that I'm trying for the first time on my kids, and I'm just hoping it's going to pan out on the other side. It, this, is, this is generational wisdom that is based in Scripture that's handed down from one generation to the next. This is working for boys and girls. It walks you through those difficult years, you know, the, the terrible twos and the horrific threes and, you know, all of those types of things. It goes when children, it goes into the rebellious teenage years. It also works when you're launching your kids out to have a family of their own. It works all along the way. I want you to know that as Bree and I have worked through this over the years, we've made some slight modifications, but probably 90 plus percent has been set since before we got married. So here it is. I'm going to go walk through it quickly. First, the Bible is our primary manual for parenting. By the way, all of this is written out right here for you. All of it's right there for you. Now, if what we hear or what we read does not align with what God says, it immediately is removed from the conversation, period. I've told people for over 20 years, be unbelievably careful about the parenting books and resources that you are reading. Here's the reason I say that. Because parenting resources and books change constantly. You walk into your bookstore right now and you look for books on parenting. There's a thousand different titles written by a thousand different PhDs, experts, Child psychologists, all of them claim that their research is rock solid and here's what you need to do with your kids. But here's the issue with that. You don't know if it works until 20 to 25 years later. You don't know if it's worked until they've gone to the next transition. They've gone from children into middle school, into high school, into college, leaving in order to start families on their own. And then you're going to look back and say, did it or did it not work? The problem is 20 to 25 years later, that's a long time to not know whether or not it works. That's why you go to the Word. Here it is. Thousands of years, parents have been going to the Word, primarily in the book of Proverbs. It teaches you a lot about parenting in the book of Proverbs. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. Next one. Pray constantly. Pray early. Pray often. Pray specifically. I cannot overemphasize the importance of telling your kids when you're praying for them. 
when they're going through difficult things at school, pray with them. Let them know you're praying with them. When they got a major test coming up, let them know you're praying for them. There are things that I began to pray for for my girls before they were ever born that still to this day, four to five times a week, I'm praying for those things. Here's a beautiful thing about prayer. There's no expiration date on prayer. I believe my life is being shaped to this day by prayers that my parents prayed for me when I was a kid. Here's the next one. Instill God's word early and often. Teaching, discipling, modeling. Now there's a positive and a negative side to discipline. Part is removing foolishness. That's the negative side. Part is instilling wisdom. That's the positive side. Discipline is not just about correcting a child when they're wrong. It's also about instructing and training and instilling wisdom so that they can live life well. The goal is to instill wisdom and to remove foolishness. There's no greater manual in the world to do that with than the Word of God. Next one, both parents need to be on the same page with discipline, and both parents need to be involved in discipline. It should not be that one is the fun parent and the other is the disciplinarian. Both parents need to be involved. It's getting quiet up in here. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not even remotely done. Pray for me. Here's the next one. Discipline is to be done in the moment in love. The words, wait till your dad gets home, or when your mom hears about this, that was not spoken in my house. Both myself and Bria were more than capable of handling discipline within that moment. By the way, if both parents are not involved and do that, watch your kids split you all. Your kids, I know you might not think it, your kids are devious in how they will try to split their parents up. So, listen, there was none of this, like, I would discipline the girls, and then, you know, Bree would come home, and they're like, you won't believe what Dad did. No, there was none of that going on. Okay, here's the next one. Do not correct your spouse in front of your kids. If you don't agree with what your spouse just did in that moment, you wait till the moment is over, you go into private, and you have the conversation there. You don't correct in front of your kids. Next one, plan with the end in mind. Always ask the question, where will this lead? So, let me give you a fun example of this. Let's say little Johnny jumps up from the dining room table with a spoonful of peas and hurls them, and four of them stick against the wall. And the parents are like, that's kind of funny, because little Johnny had on, like, little boots and, like, jumps out and, like, doing his own thing. Okay, what might seem cute in the moment will create problems for you down the road. So you have to stop and say, where is this going to lead? Here's some other examples that go along with that. Teaching your kids to sit down, to be calm, and to listen. Did, did you know that is good for your kids? It, it, and I am all about kids having fun, not a problem right there. But here's the thing. If parents don't teach their kids that there is a time to sit down and be still and listen, what happens when they go to school and they don't have those skills? What happens when they're in church and somebody's trying to teach the word and they can't sit down long enough in order to listen to anything? What happens when you are now at a restaurant and little Johnny jumps out with that spoonful of peas and hurls them at the table next to you? 
they're not going to think it's nearly as funny as what you thought it was. Cute in the moment can cause a lot of problems down the road. You stop and you ask the question, where is this leading? Now, while I'm at that moment, let me also say I got nothing wrong with kids running, playing, and having fun in the right context. This is just my personal opinion, but I'll share it with you because apparently it's quiet and I'm just going to share it. There's certain points in a message where a pastor's like, I'm this deep in, go ahead, share what's on your mind. One of the things that got yanked out of school was P.E. Something else got yanked out in many classes was recess. Your kids need to run. They need to get the wiggles out. They, they, they got energy that needs to be used somewhere. And as parents, we can't get upset because they can't sit still if we're not giving them an opportunity to go get some energy out of their system. That's not in the word. That's just Paul's thoughts. So anyway, just take it for what it's worth. All right, here's the next one. Address the problem, not just the symptoms. Problems will surface in multiple ways. Uh, for example, screaming, hitting other people, throwing food, snatching toys, all of those things are symptoms of the same problem, rebellion. Rebellion's motto is, I want what I want. And when the person doesn't get what they want, aggression surfaces. So if a parent is only upset because food was thrown but they did not correct the other pieces of snatching toys, screaming in anger, all of those things. They addressed a symptom. They did not address the problem. When you're dealing with something like rebellion and you don't get down to the core issue, it's like playing whack-a-mole in your child's life. That same rebellion will pop up in 30 different places, but if you go after the problem, you don't deal with as many of the symptoms. Next one, teach, correct, and follow through. Teach what is right and wrong, correct when things need to be corrected, but you got to follow through on punishment. If you tell your child, if you do that again, you're getting a spanking, and they do it again, and you're like, don't make me tell you again. Just one more time, and you're going to get a spanking, and then you do that like six times. Here's what you just trained your kid in. They don't have to listen to you the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, because eventually they're going to get what they want. You know who's shaking their head in agreement? Every senior adult in this room right now. <laughs> That's because their babies have already gotten grown. They're like, yes, yes. Okay, here's the next one. Maintain a stable and Christ-centered home. By stable, I mean calm, balanced, free of parents fighting in front of their kids, free of yelling and screaming at each other, not yanking their kids from one activity to the next, not living so fast they don't have time to be together and to have some meals together and take a vacation or two together. That's what I'm talking about as far as stable. Did you know small things there can impact your children in ways that you could ever imagine? For example... Myself and Bria found when Kaylee was probably two to three years old, she went through a period of waking up in the middle of the night with nightmares, screaming. And, and parents, you know the difference between a child crying and a child being scared to death in the middle of the night. And Bria and I would always stop along the way and we would ask the questions, what's changed? What's different? What, what's happened? 
And the only thing that we could pinpoint is my travel schedule had increased during that period of time. I pulled back on travel and her nightmares went away. Did you know what we just found? Something as simple as her dad not being in the home consistently was leading to an unsettledness that was manifested in her sleep. It's good for parents to sit and to talk like, what's happening? What's changed? What's different? By Christ-centered, I mean that the home is centered on Christ. Our lives revolve around him. Our kids see us spend time with God devotionally. We prioritize church activities. We teach them about God's word. We teach them about the gospel. All of those are a part of that. And then the last part that I'm going to share here is regular times of evaluation and adjustment. Regular times, evaluation, and adjustment. There needs to be a time you come back and evaluate. Here's your last piece. I'm going to do it very quickly. Consistency with discipline. That is, what does consistency look like? We need to do the same things over and over with minimal room for excuses and interruptions. Your plan should not have to change constantly. It should be that it can ride out your schedule. What do I mean by making minimal room for excuses and interruptions. That is, if you're waiting for the perfect day for everything to align for you to be consistent and disciplined, you'll get it like 15 minutes one time a year. That's, that's your window of opportunity. But what happens is we make a lot of excuses. We'll say things like, my child's teething. They don't have their nap. We spent the whole morning shopping. They're just cranky today. They're not familiar with the environment. It's been a long day for everyone. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I don't feel good. They don't feel good. Nobody around them feels good. And we just kind of keep making excuses. But here's the issue there. When the exception becomes the norm, it's no longer the exception. Be consistent. Now, here's your bonus round. I might get through one of these, but one of the most often asked questions that I ever received is when did I spank versus given a timeout? I never found a timeout in Scripture, so I've never given one of those. But I did find a lot about corporal punishment. So I can answer the second half of that. When did I spank? And there were two places, two points. After you teach what's right and wrong and you correct along the way, here's two points. Disrespect and disobedience. You don't spank because a child dropped a glass of milk on the ground. That's called an accident. But disrespect and disobedience... Those are the D's of doom in my house when we were growing up. If you don't like doom, you can put the D's of discipline right there. That's, that works as well. Those two times is when we would spank. There are so many different ways that we could address this topic. And by the way, this, this is just, we're, we're just touching on the first part. There's no way I could get all of this out in one message. Um, but we at least have a foundation to begin to work with. All right, let, I'm going to take another minute and a half. Uh, on, uh, okay, so the next most often asked question that I've received is at what point did you start disciplining your kids and how did you start implementing discipline? 
I'll give you a quote from John R. Rice. He was a pastor of yesteryear. He said, for boys, you start when they're born. And girls, you can give them two weeks. Now, remember, discipline is the process of removing foolishness and instilling wisdom. So here it is, quickly. Discipline begins far before spanking enters the equation. Do you know one of the first areas of discipline is a schedule that you have your kids on? Eating and sleeping. When I was growing up, that schedule was they, our parents were taught every around three to four hours is when you feed your child. I, that's what we did. Um, now schedules are not in vogue. And so children are being fed constantly right there. And parents many times are going crazy. Did you know a schedule, something as simple as that, can be a first step of discipline? Another part there is discipline comes through the tone of your voice. When that child is two and three months old, they can hear the difference between tone changing. When you're like, hey, baby, coochie, coochie, coo, and it's like, it's all happy. And then all of a sudden you say, no. Their eyes, watch their eyes open up. The tone of your voice just grabbed their attention. That's what it was about, grabbing their attention. Then it could move from there to a small pop on the hand. The pop is not in pain. The pop is to get attention. Over time, it becomes two pops and a little bit harder. Over time, it becomes a swat on the rear end, a little bit harder. It's progressive in how it happens. But the issue is start early. If you wait till they're three, four, five years old, they're like, well, they just don't understand. Listen, these babies like six months old learning sign language to tell their parents when they're hungry. And you telling me they don't understand right from wrong? I don't buy that. That was in one of those new parenting books. There you go. <laughs> so here it is. Discipline is progressive, but when you start early, you'll find that corporal punishment is done less and less over the course of time, and you get more and more freedom as a parent. So as we close, here's kind of how I want to close the service today. I want to close in a time of prayer over parents and grandparents. I want to close praying for parents that are early in the game right now. They, they got infants at home. I want to pray over those families. I want to pray for those that are midway through the race, and I want to pray for those who their kids are already out of the house, and maybe it's grandkids. I, I want to pray in this time as well that God reminds people there's always hope. The enemy will beat people up and say, it's, it's too far gone for me. That is not the case. You will be amazed at what God can do with surrendered parents who are willing to say, Lord, lead through me. I want to pray for families at this time. So if you would, bow with me for prayer. At the same time, I'm going to ask if the band would come up. And as they're kind of getting in place, I just want to take a moment and pray over some families. Heavenly Father, we are asking today that, Lord, you would encourage parents. May this message, even though there's difficult parts that we covered, may this message not be seen as one that is showing everything that somebody might be doing that is wrong, but may it be a message encouraging people that there is a way 
a biblical way, a way that has been passed down from one generation to the next in order to address discipline early so that discipleship can happen deeply within the home. God, we recognize that there are some families right now that they, they either have children on the way and they're just talking through these things. God, give them unusual wisdom early. We need a generation right now of young people who are willing to say, I want to follow what the Word of God says and I want my family to be one that breaks the mold of what's happening in culture. God, I pray that you would give a togetherness, unusual wisdom to those families. God, for those that their children right now are already in elementary school and middle school and maybe they've missed some of those teachable moments, God, I am praying at this time that you would encourage them. Encourage them that even in those moments where we can look back and see things that we've done wrong as parents and every single person who has children can see things we've done wrong in our past. But even in those areas, God, you have unbelievable grace for the parent who's saying, God, we just want to do things well and we want to do things to honor you. So Lord, give them courage. Give them the teachable moments. Restore those years. For those that their children are leaving the home right now, God, I pray that you would help them to capture teachable opportunities that they can train and teach and guide before their children leave. God, I pray for those that their kids are already out of the house and maybe they're married and they're starting families of their own. God, I pray that in that next generation, Lord, many of these pieces can sink in. God, we recognize apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, everything in culture is pulling our children away from godliness and away from wisdom and towards foolishness. So Lord, may we be strong in our resolve to lead well within the home. God, we submit our hearts to you. May you live your life through us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand at this time. There might be some people that just need some prayer this morning. They might want to come and to have prayer themselves with their spouse. There might be people this morning that they have questions about what I've shared, and they just want to talk to a pastor. Our pastors are going to be at the ends of the aisles, and we want to encourage you to respond as the Spirit of God is prompting you.